preaching tonight for families. I believe there is a generational anointing in this house tonight. I look across and I see people that are elders and people that are young and people that probably feel young and then there's others you're not sure what you are right now. But I believe the Lord is going to lay an anointing on generations tonight. And how many of you will say, Brother Gaddy, I'm going to pray that happens in this house. That families are blessed, families are anointed, that something significant happens in our families. Exodus chapter 28, verse number 1. Take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother, his sons with him, from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. Shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. These are the garments which they shall make a breastplate, and an ephod, and a robe, and a broidered coat, a mitre, and a girdle, and they shall make holy garments. Everyone say holy garments. Holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Would you skip one more chapter to Exodus chapter 29? And we'll look at the 29th verse. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him, to be anointed therein and to be consecrated in them. It's from that 29th verse of the 29th chapter of Exodus that I want to lift my subject matter tonight and simply preach on the holy garments of Aaron. Would you say that with me? The holy garments of Aaron. Set your Bible down one more time and let's pray. Let's just ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Would you pray for me as a preacher, you as a congregation? Lord Jesus, we're going to follow your leading tonight. I believe you've destined us all to be in this house, to hear your word, Lord. And I desperately need you, Lord. I unashamedly tell you that we need the whisper of the Holy Ghost in our midst. We need you to step in, Lord, and let this word be mixed with faith, Lord, and let an anointing touch our families, God. I pray it over every family at Eastwind tonight. I pray it over every family that's watching online right now. Let the glory of God fill our lives. Receive praise and let your kingdom come and your will be done tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone, would you say amen? God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you again, Pastor and Sister Myers, for your wonderful hospitality. We have sure enjoyed being with you. There are some moments in my life for which I have felt fairly prepared. I remember on my 16th birthday, I went to the driver's license building. And I was wanting to get my driver's license. It was on my 16th birthday. And uh, I had studied the manual. I had learned all of the signs along the roadway. I knew about defensive driving, hopefully not too much offensive driving. But I was ready. 
And I remember the instructor, the test giver, if you will, got in the passenger seat next to me. He said, all right, Tim, I'd like you to pull out and go, go down the road here and turn right at the stop sign. And I was so nervous that my right foot was shaking on the gas pedal. And I was herking and jerking that car down the road. But I was ready. I knew how to drive, per se. My parents had let me drive. I had my learner's permit, and so I, I received my license. I was prepared. I remember the first time I ever got a shot at the doctor's office. That was really something. I was just a boy, and I walked in with my mother, and I sat up on that little table that has the paper on it that always wrinkles when you sit on it. And I sat down and the doctor said, Tim, we're going to have to give you a shot. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to count to three and then I'm going to give you the shot. Is that all right with you? Which is the most absurd question to ask a child. Is it okay with you if I give you this shot? But I was ready. I had psyched myself up. I, I, I was going to be tough. And I said, yes, sir, I'm ready. He said, here we go. One. Two, and on the count of two, he gave me the shot. <laughs> he faked me out. But I was prepared. And then there are other times for which no amount of talking or training can prepare you. On December the 1st, 1997, my beautiful wife Stacy gave me the greatest gift that a husband could ever desire outside of her own hand. When she gave me a baby daughter. She's all grown up now. But I remember in the hospital when they were putting my daughter in the arms of my wife in that wheelchair that they were wheeling her out to the car for us to go home for the very first time. And it was such a beautiful scene. My wife, my new baby girl, me at the hospital. Uh, I, I remember taking my daughter Madison and strapping her in the car seat right at 12 different ways. There were straps and pulleys and levers and things that I had to buckle in and it was quite a contraption and I got my daughter buckled in and I gingerly helped my wife get in the front seat and then I turned around and to my horror, the nurse is pushing the now empty wheelchair back up to the hospital saying, we'll see ya. And it dawned on me, she's ours now. And I started to get a little panicked. I wasn't prepared for that. What if she coughs all night long? Is she supposed to make these sounds? Is she supposed to turn that color? But it was the start of my family. And I thank God for it. And as unique and as multifaceted as it is, the family is still God's design. The family is still God's plan. The family is God's divine intention in constructing strong churches, strong families, make strong churches. Strong moms and dads make strong families 
and strong families make strong churches. Families many times provide us with life's greatest joys and unfortunately at times the deepest heartaches. Because of the immense importance that is attached to this God-ordained institution, I am in this house tonight with a prayer request. And it is simply this, God, I want you to lay a blessing on my family tonight. God, I want you to lay a blessing on my marriage tonight. God, I want you to lay a blessing upon my parenting tonight. God, I want you to lay an anointing upon my family. Is there anybody in this house that feels the same kind of prayer deep in your spirit on Sunday night? You say, I'm not taking anything for granted, but tonight I am praying, oh God, would you lay an anointing on my family? Oh God, would you lay an anointing on my home? I wish there'd be some moms and dads for just about 20 seconds that would forget about everybody around you and what you're going to do tomorrow. And there would be a cry that comes up from our spirit and our soul that says, we need you, Lord. My family needs you. My marriage needs you, Lord. My home needs you. I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Come on, we need it more than we need a fat bank account. We need God's anointing on our families. We need it more than we need prestige in society. We need an anointing upon our children, on our parenting, on our home. Hallelujah. And so on the surface, it may seem purely practical. Moses being given instruction from God on how to construct the Ark of the Covenant and intricate detail on how the children of Israel were to properly offer sacrifice and items are introduced into our thinking that are seemingly a little foreign to our usual practice candlesticks and borders and curtains and pillars and gold and incense and the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Take your brother Aaron and his sons from among the people, that he may minister unto me as a priest. Make sure, Aaron, that Nadab is there, and Abihu is there, and Eleazar is there, and Ithamar is there. Moses, I want to tell you something, and I want you to hear it clearly. I am calling this family out from the people. I'm putting a special anointing on this family. I'm putting a unique calling upon this family. They're going to be a peculiar family. There's going to be something different about them than everybody else. And so because of that, Moses, I even want you to take special care in how the artisans sew their clothing, their garments... Because these garments don't speak of merely covering their bodies, but these garments declare the distinctiveness of this family. And when you see these people in these garments, there's going to be a noticeable difference 
there's going to be a noticeable distinctiveness. They are for beauty. And they are for glory. Somebody hear me right now. It was the ancient Hebrew writers that believed that when King Ahasuerus of Persia prepared his banquet that we hear about in Esther chapter 1, he wanted it to be so impressive that he took off his kingly robes and instead wore the priestly garments because they were so beautiful and they were so glorious. Now, Eastwind Pentecostal Church, please hear me tonight. It is at this point that this Old Testament story of craftsmanship can stay historical to us. Or it can become very personal to us. Because Peter lifted pen to paper and said, You are a chosen generation. And you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And you are a peculiar people. John the Revelator in the book of Revelation spoke of Jesus who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God. God never designed my family and your family just to be another family. But he's put a special anointing on the people of God. He's put a peculiar anointing on your family. There is something unique. And there is something distinct. We are not supposed to be like everybody else. We're not supposed to look like everybody else. We're not supposed to react like everybody else. There's a difference on you. There's a high calling upon you. And so dads and moms, I have a question for us tonight. What kind of garment are we wearing? Now, you say, well, it's kind of a navy, 42 short. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about Ralph Lauren right now. I'm not talking about the pretty dress that you walked in with tonight. I'm not talking about the sharp shirt that you have on time. I'm not talking about a literal garment. But I'm going to tell somebody in this house, every one of us is wearing something that is showing our faith and showing our distinctiveness and showing the glory that God has upon our life. Let me ask it a different way. What are we showing and what are we passing on to the next generation? Because we will pass on what we wear. Not simply what we profess. The call of the Spirit to Aaron's generation is to wear the garments well that were crafted for you. There is a garment that is found uniquely in Scripture, emphatically declared over and over, and it is simply the garment of praise. The Bible says that he will give us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
How many know he's a good God to trade us like that? Anybody walk into the house of God weary, but you walk out with a praise in your spirit. You change attire when you walk into the presence of God. I walked in worn down. I walked in depleted, but I put on the garment of praise. And everything changed when I changed my attire. I decided I've got one shot on Sunday night on the last couple of days of January. And so I made up in my mind, if he's looking for worship, I'm going to give him what he came looking for. I'm going to put on the garment of praise. Oh, I feel like there's some worshipers in the house tonight. I've got a voice, so pastor, I'm going to use it to praise him. I've got legs, so I'm going to use them to dance. I've got energy, so I'm going to use it to give the Lord praise. Come on, church. The psalmist David said, One generation shall praise thy works to another generation and shall declare thy mighty acts. Isaiah said, He'll give us beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, my praise is on display tonight. Somebody's looking at my praise. Somebody's looking at my worship. Someone is looking at the garment that I'm putting on. Now, Bishop, I'm going to tell you, there are some things I've taught my son, and one of them was to throw a curveball. I remember the summer I taught my boy to throw a curveball. We were in the backyard. And I said, all right, Landon, come here. I want you to see this. And I grabbed the baseball, and I kind of crossed the seams a little bit. I said, now, when you throw the ball, you got to flick your wrist. Flick your wrist. Flick your wrist. I said, now, go down there a few feet, and I'm going to have you throw it to me. And I squatted down like the catcher. And here he goes. And the first few were just straight. He didn't flick the wrist. I said, come on, Landon, flick the wrist. And I remember when it finally happened. He threw that baseball, and it went, hmm. And I had two emotions hit me at the same time. The first was, my son just threw a curveball. The second was, I just taught my son to throw a curveball. And there was great rejoicing in the camp. But I made up in my mind something. If I don't teach him to throw a curveball, I want to teach him to worship God. Don't throw thing at me right now. I want to teach him to throw a curveball. We need to teach our kids practical things. But I want to not just teach him the practical stuff. I, I don't want to just teach him how to shoot a gun. I want to teach him how to lift up the name of Jesus. 
I don't want to just teach my kids how to do this or that in this temporal world, but I want a made up, I want a made up mind that I'm going to show them. I'm not just going to tell them how to worship God. I'm going to show them how to worship God. I'm going to get out of my aisle and get on my feet and start waving my hands and lifting up my voice. Come on. We've got to put on the garment of praise. Come on, Daddy, show your boy how to raise your hand. Come on, Mama, show your son how to dance in the Spirit. Come on, Daddy, show your girl that real men worship God. Real men magnify the Lord. I'm going to wear the garment of praise. Woo! Ha! Is there anybody else in this house you like it when the kids start mimicking what mom and dad do? They start walking around and blessing the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my... Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. I'm going to wear the garment of praise. You may be seated. I was preaching... Several years ago in our old building, before we built our new building, and, and it was one of these Sunday mornings that was red hot. It was apostolic with a capital A. I mean, it was something special. And people were rejoicing and singing and, and just having a great time in the presence of God. And I got up to preach, and I think I could have said, blueberries are on sale at Kroger, and people would have just preached me down. It was one of those services. And while I was preaching... There was a white-haired man in the back of the church, and he was giving it one of these. Now, you have to understand, I'm the only one that can see that. Because everybody else is like y'all, facing me. And I'm watching the elder back there. And it evermore cranked my motor. By the way, can I just say this? If you ever wonder, I wonder if it helps if I amen the preacher. Yes. I will answer for pastor. I will answer for bishop. I will answer for brother Richie. Yes. There's an anointing in the pulpit and there's an anointing in the pew. There's a mutual anointing in the house of God. Well, I, had, I took about all I could have. And you say, well, Brother Gaddy, how come that cranked your motor so much? Because that elder, white-haired man, was my daddy. So I preached with him backing me up as long as I could. And I finally hollered at him. I said, Pop, come here. He's elderly, so he's hard of hearing. He didn't hear me. He just kept at it. But the last three rows heard me say that, so they turned to him and said, Pop, go up there. Your son wants you. So my dad starts meandering up the aisle. He came up to the stairs, and he's not super 
balanced anymore. So I had to grab a hold of his hand. And the church is just coming unhinged with worship. And my dad comes up on the platform. He was in his high 80s at this time. He's now 91 years old. And my daddy's standing next to me. And the church is just pulsating with the presence of God. I said, Pop, come here. I need you to help me preach. You've been helping me, but I need you close to me. And I kept on preaching, and the church is just alive. I got done saying what I was saying, and my dad leaned over to me and said two words that I will never forget as long as I live. My dad, me and my dad, on the platform, middle of the sermon, he leans over to me in my ear and says, Let's dance. If you think I was excited before that moment, I blew a gasket right there. I grabbed my daddy's hand. I said, Pop, you don't have to dance as emphatically as I do, but let's do exactly what you were just saying. And I'm jumping and I'm dancing and I'm rejoicing in the presence of God. My dad's feet aren't getting very far off the ground. He's just kind of shuffling around. But as an 80-something-year-old man, he made up in his mind, I've got a praise to give to God. And I'm going to praise with my boy on the platform right now. Oh, I wish there would be a generational worship that would rise up. I wish there'd be a generational anointing that would rise up. I wish a daddy would say, son, I'm going to teach you how to worship. I'm going to teach you how to praise. I'm going to wear the garment of praise. I'm putting that garment on tonight. I'm wearing that garment, Pastor. Be seated. I was preaching in eastern Arkansas a few years ago, and I was preaching a Friday night and a Sunday night. And I was driving back and forth. I was going back home for Sunday morning at our church and then driving back over Sunday night. I show up at church on Friday night in the sticks in east Arkansas. I mean, they got a pump daylight back in there. It's so far back in the sticks. And I got there right at church time. In fact, I was about a minute late, and I put my briefcase in the office and I took my Bible and I came out in the service, small little building, and they were evermore having church. And there was such an anointing of worship in that house. I mean, it was just so awesome. I joined in worship. I preached, had the altar call. We had a great move of God. I went back to the office after church. I said, pastor, y'all got to worship in church. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, we do. And then he said something I was not prepared for. He said, yeah, we do, but, but our best worshiper wasn't here tonight. Now, I don't know if I have ever been in a service at our church where I looked across the congregation and thought, fair worshiper, pretty good worshiper, Mediocre worshiper. Best worshiper. But he completely got my attention. I said, did you just say the best worshiper wasn't here tonight? I mean, we had really good church. He said, yeah, he wasn't here tonight. He said, he'll be here Sunday night. Well, that made me really want to come back Sunday night. 
because I was scheduled to preach, but also I wanted to see the best worshiper. So I made sure I got there a little bit early on Sunday night, and I put my briefcase in the office, and I walked into church, and my eyes are scanning the crowd. I'm looking for the best worshiper. And it didn't take but about 10 seconds, and I saw him. Nobody had to point him out. Pastor didn't point at him and say, that's the best worshiper. He was up in the aisle, or in the the altar, and he's just... Now, he wasn't out of control. He wasn't going crazy. But it was pure worship to the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, thank you, Lord, that I got to be in a service with the best worshiper. (laughs) And I was watching him worship. By the way, if if I'm ever in a service with you and you see me smiling, just looking around smiling, I enjoy watching people worship God. It's not me being creepy. I enjoy it. Some of y'all have been worshiping God this weekend, and I'm just sitting there going, that is awesome. Good job, God. And I'm watching the best worshiper worship, and I started to take my eyes off of him and go back to my seat. And something caught my attention out of the corner of my eye. And I looked over, and there were two tiny little boys that were over in this side of the altar. They both had on suits, vests, and ties. And they were getting it. I mean, it didn't matter who was watching or who wasn't watching. And, and directly, they, they looked very similar, so I figured they were twins. And directly, one of them took off running down the aisle, and his brother just followed right after him. Now, you can tell they'd done this a while, because one of them came around the aisle after running a couple laps around the church, and he stopped, and he loosened his tie. And I am standing there mesmerized. I've always been drawn to small things. So I'm mesmerized by the tiny little worshipers. And I went to the office after church and I said, Pastor, I think I found the best worshiper tonight. And I described who he was. He said, yes, sir. You got him. That's the best worshiper. I said, yes, okay. But the thing that really got my attention was those two little boys on the other side of the altar. They couldn't have been but three or four years old, and they were worshiping machines. Who are they? And I never will forget what the pastor said to me. He looked at me like I had two heads. He said, are you serious? Those two boys are the sons of the best worshiper. Time out.
Come on, we got an opportunity to pass it on to the next generation. We've got an opportunity to show worship to the next generation. I will wear the garment of praise. I'm going to do it when nobody's doing it. I'm going to do it when everybody's doing it. I'm going to show my boys and my girls how to praise God, how to magnify the Lord. Come on, I'm not going to let a rock cry out for me. I'm not going to let anybody out worship me. I'm not going to let my kids see me sitting there and not responding to the presence of the Lord. He's been too good to me. He's been too mighty to me. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. Come on, why don't you do something you haven't done for a while? Why don't you just lift up holy hands and a shout and a dance to the Lord and magnify Him? There is nobody like Jesus. There is nobody like this King. He's been too good to me for me not to praise Him. Go ahead. Come on, Mama. Go ahead and praise Him. Go ahead, Daddy. Go ahead and praise Him. Go ahead and let those kiddos see you praising Him, magnifying Him, glorifying Him. Come on, I see some of you daddies grabbing the hold of that child and saying, this is what we do. This is what we were made for. This is how God saved us. This is how God delivered us. Come on, those of you with your husband or your wife, I wish you'd grab them by the hand right now. Go ahead and just praise him a little bit right now. Go ahead and magnify him a little bit right now. Go ahead and glorify him a little bit right now. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Listen to me, listen to me. Here's what Paul said to Timothy. He said, I remember the faith of your grandmother. I remember the faith of your mother that was passed down to you. And it dwells in you also. In other words, your grandmother and your mother for generations have been putting on a garment of faith that says God can and God will answer prayer 
Oh, I wish there would be some families at this church that around the breakfast table would say, Brother Tom Veeley's sick, but God can heal his body, and God will heal his body. I'm going to wear the garment of faith. I think it is so noteworthy. We're going to sing in just a I think it is so noteworthy that God said, Moses, I want you to craft those garments for Aaron. But I need you to make sure you communicate to his children that those garments are created for them as well. In other words, when Aaron dies... We don't make new garments. We take the garment off of Aaron. And we put it on his boys. To be anointed therein. For glory and for beauty. Let me preach for about 30 seconds to the young folks of East Wind. This anointing that we feel on Sunday night. It is not just designed for your mama and for your daddy. Prayer, fasting, supernatural power of God. That's a garment that looks good on your daddy, but it looks good on you too. And it was created for you to wear the same garment. They are holy garments. They're designed for multiple generations. Come on, let's give voice to whatever God is saying to you right now. Oh! Come on, I need some young men to lead out in worship right now. I need some young children to lead out in worship right now. Come on, I don't want you to be afraid of lifting up your voice and magnifying God like your mama because that garment was designed for you too that holy garment was designed for you to wear just like your daddy just like your mama it's the holy garments of Aaron come on gather your family close and pray over them right now can we do that if your family's not here just join with a friend right now Gather your family close. Daddy, can they hear your voice over them right now? Can you lift up your voice over your family right now? Come on, single mom. There's an anointing on your life. Can you let your voice out to the Lord? Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Come on, Timothy. You got a faith that's handed down from previous generations. Come on, children. You've got an anointing of worship that's been handed down from another generation. It was intended for you the whole time. It was designed for you the whole time. It had your name on it the whole time. It was intended for your generation the whole time. 
It was supposed to be your anointing like your daddy's anointing. going to go forth from this house in just a few minutes and the greatest altar call for this sermon begins when we hit the door of east wind and we walk out and we live out worship and faith i'm going to do something i'm going to follow the leading of the lord right now pastor can i ask you and sister myers and your family to come right down here in the front i want to pray over our pastor and his his family Praise God. Sister Gaddy, I'm going to ask you to help me and help us pray for the Myers family right now. This church 
Let me just tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. This church is uniquely positioned to be an equipping church, not just for the members of Eastwind, but globally to be an equipping church. You, so, there's a lot of heads nodding right now. Let me feel a witness in the Holy Ghost on that. That God is doing something in Palm Bay that is literally going to impact every corner of this globe. And I want us to pray for our, our, our first family right now. I, I wish some of you would just gather around them and pray for them. Pray strength. But everybody in the house that comes alongside the vision of East Wind and says, God, we're going to be a part of an equipping church. I wish you'd stretch your hands out here toward this family. Lord, I speak an anointing over Pastor Myers. I speak an anointing over Sister Myers right now. I speak an anointing over Gregory and Luke and Sophia, Bishop and Dr. Myers. I speak an anointing over the pastoral team right now. Lord, you have uniquely positioned this church to impact the nations. And I pray it would be done by the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name Jesus. Oh yes, Lord, you're going to send out more missionaries from this place. You're going to fund the work of God through this church, Lord. You're going to allow new harvest fields to spring open through this church, Lord Jesus. God, what is being modeled in Palm Bay is good for every generation. It's good for every local church. Protect the culture of this church. Protect the revival spirit of this church. Protect the anointing of our pastor and their family, I pray. Raise up more people to hold up their hands. Raise up more gospel workers, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, why don't you pray in the Holy Ghost right now? If God's baptized you in the Spirit, give voice to that right now. Yes, God. Let your anointing rest on our family, God. Let your anointing rest on our first family, Lord.
singing, may the favor of the Lord be on my family.